Hello, I'm Krishnan Gurumurthy, welcoming you to the spring 2015 season of Channel 4's award-winning foreign affairs programme, Unreported World. We're back on television in the UK and back in audio worldwide to keep you informed of life for people living in the fastest changing areas of the world. This week, we bring you a unique insight into the last days in the battle between Kurdish fighters and ISIS for the Syrian town of Kobani. There's just one school open in an underground basement come bomb shelter, and here we meet some of the children who remain. Most have tragic stories to tell about family members, including other children who've been killed. But in an act of defiance that runs through this Turkish border town that's become emblematic of the international fight back against ISIS, the children tell reporter Kiki King why, if they're going to die, they want to die on Kobani soil. It was our first day in a city under siege by ISIS. We'd arrived during the night, smuggled in by Kurdish fighters. It's 7.30 in the morning in Kobani, and the explosions have just been non-stop all morning. It sounds like the Kurds are attacking the ISIS positions in the east of the city. Kurdish forces were fighting house to house to save their city. Backing them up, planes from America and its Arab allies. Hardly a minute goes past when there isn't an explosion in the city or the sound of warplanes above us. ISIS had declared they would capture Kobani. America and the Kurds were determined to stop them. This must have been hit by Kurdish airstrikes. Our Kurdish guides took us on a tour of the city. The Kurds controlled two-thirds of Kobani. ISIS controlled the rest and most of the surrounding countryside. Their fighters were never more than half a mile away. There's ISIS sniper positions, which we can see exactly down this road we need to cross to get back to Syria. There's been intense fighting here in the last few days. These are ISIS tanks that have been destroyed by coalition airstrikes. You can still smell the petrol coming out of them. On the edge of town, we found a makeshift cemetery. Kurdish fighters killed the day before were being buried. We were told hundreds of Kurds had already died. Even the children are called to come and help carry breeze blocks to separate the graves. This is something the whole community participates in, burying their dead. There were about a thousand Kurdish fighters in Kobani. Most days, they said, around five of them were killed. Jamila Mahmoud came to mourn her brother-in-law. He's here. He died on January the 11th. So this week? He just died this week. 
He was attacked by an ISIS tank and received head injuries. He was taken to Turkey for medical treatment, but he died four days later and was buried here. Jamila said her husband, also a fighter, had been killed earlier in the siege. Why do you continue to stay living in Kobani amidst all these explosions and all this bombing? My husband asked us to go to Turkey. I told him, no, I'm not going. We don't want to leave our homeland. Our house is completely destroyed. Everything is completely destroyed. Even so, we will not leave. Where would we go? Jamila's brother-in-law left behind seven children. So many have died. Everyone has suffered. Once, 45,000 people lived here. A few thousand remained. Our Kurdish guides told us ISIS were being pushed back. They showed us the streets they'd captured just days before. Kobani is a big town. And this is just totally destroyed. It seems endless. A baby buggy, an abandoned in the street. The whole front of this house has been completely destroyed. All their sleeping mats are all folded up. We've been told that anywhere that ISIS left, they left it behind rigged with booby traps. So we're not going to go any further into this house. I just hope all the people who lived here got away before all of this destruction started. We'd been told just one school remained open. It's down a steep flight of stairs. We're right down in the basement. This place feels like a bomb shelter. Good morning. Hello. Shavin Mahmoud was teaching the children Kurdish, which was banned before the civil war when this area was ruled by President Assad. Kurdish is written from left to right. Many of the children came from families fighting ISIS. It's very dangerous on the street. Mortars and rockets fall on us and snipers shoot children. We try to protect them in here. How are these children affected by the war? It's affecting them mentally. Before they were terrified and crying, but gradually they're learning how to cope. They need a lot of help. ISIS claims the Kurdish way of life is un-Islamic and wants to drive them out of Syria. The children told us about the relatives they'd lost. My cousin was hit by a rocket. He lost half his head. He was buried in Kobani. If I must die, I would rather die on Kobani soil. 
من It was my cousin. He climbed on top of a tank and was attacked. He was taken to hospital with face injuries. But nothing could be done for him. We were told ISIS reinforcements had arrived overnight. Really loud explosion, very close to us. We really are in the middle of a pitched battle between the Kurdish fighters and ISIS. Our guide, Perwar, brought troubling news. The situation is critical. There is clashes east and southeast of Kobani, and the clashes are ongoing until this specific moment. You can hear the voice of the bullets. The Kurds were worried they might be overwhelmed. We're on our way to the last remaining hospital in Kobani. All the other medical centers in the town have been destroyed by ISIS. The clinic was full, and the doctors were running out of drugs. Stick your tongue out, brother. Come on. Surgeon Basrawi Ali is from Kobani. He lived in the hospital, on call 24 hours a day. It was 10 a.m. and he'd been operating since dawn, treating fighters with complex injuries with just local anaesthetic. Let's go, Lionheart. It's okay. It's done. All right, it's done. Can you tell us about the operation you did today? We carried out major surgery. He's fine. We're very happy. He'll recover quickly. Normal. Okay, what was that? No. Was that, is that far away? That sounded really close. 20 minutes later, there was an influx of seriously wounded people. The bang we heard in the operating room was an ISIS car bomb detonating, and now we've started to see casualties coming in from that attack. Comrade, everything hurts. Civilian casualties who are coming in as well as fighters. There's an old man lying here, and there's a woman that they're just bringing in as well. The car bomb was detonated about half an hour ago now, and they're still bringing people in. It's impossible to get people here quickly because there's no ambulances. The doctors told us ISIS attacks were often spearheaded by suicide car bombs like this one. Foot soldiers would then rush in to kill and take territory. By nightfall, a combination of airstrikes and desperate fighting on the ground had held off the ISIS advance. The next day, we were able to explore the outskirts of town. We're going with the Kurdish Red Crescent to an area where civilians have been camped out and they're taking them these medical supplies. All of these drugs were taken from bombed-out houses and abandoned chemists. There's lots of basic medicine for children and all the simple things you'd find in a pharmacy. 
We were told delivering supplies was difficult. Kobani was running out of fuel and the road was dangerous. ISIS was targeting moving vehicles. On the edge of the city, right on the border, farmers from villages around Kobani were living in their cars and tractors. From here to there is the international buffer zone between Syria and Turkey. This whole area has been mined and now we're driving through it. Around 150 people have been injured by these mines. These farmers don't want to lose the machinery they rely on for their livelihoods. The Turkish government won't let them bring their vehicles across the border. For now, they're stuck here. It stretches for miles along the border with Turkey, and there must be thousands of people living here. They all come from villages south of Kobani, and they've been driven out by ISIS, and now they're crammed up against the border with Turkey. They might have escaped the ISIS onslaught on their villages, but the jihadists are still very close. Just since we've got out here, you can hear fighters in Kobani mortaring that village. It's an ISIS-controlled village south of Kobani. Dr. Manaf Kitkani was in charge of distribution. Every couple of days, he made the hazardous journey to help these people. The problem is, we don't have supplies. We're already running out of medicine. If no safe route for medical supplies is opened up, these people will be in big trouble. In the last weeks of her pregnancy, Khadre Keno was reliant on the Red Crescent for medical support. Khadre, how many of you sleep inside this truck? Six. Six. Me, my husband and my kids for four months now. The vehicle they escaped ISIS in had become their home. Once we left our village, ISIS came and took it over. We heard they were selling women and raping them. We got scared and fled with our children. We left with nothing. Wouldn't it be safer for your family to cross the border into Turkey? We don't want to go to Turkey. We want to go back to our land, our village. Her baby was due any day. I have ten days left. I will give birth in Kobani. And what are you going to do at night? It's so bitterly cold here. I will hold him in my arms to keep him warm. I have prepared the baby's things. That's her ah, that's your baby bag. Despite the extreme poverty that Hadra's living in, she's very excited to show me all the stuff she's got ready for her baby, the swaddling cloths, the little baby grows. It's all in here, all in her bag. This is for the baby once it's born. Ah, this is to wrap the baby. She's got one lovely piece of white, clean cloth ready to wrap her baby in. Everything's damp, but everything's clean. That night we met Beritan Judy, 
a 19-year-old fighter. How's it going? Two years ago, she was at school. I'll About a third of the Kurdish frontline fighters here were women. How did today go? Today went well. We fired our mortars. We are waiting for our comrades to order us to fire again. How long do you think this war can go on for? It depends on our strength. The more we do, the sooner it ends. We don't think it'll take very long. We're nearly there. So you're confident you can repel ISIS? Yes, we can take ISIS out. ISIS still held one key position, the Mishtanor Hill overlooking Kobani. To regain their city, the Kurds had to take it back. That morning, ISIS fighters launched mortars into the Kurdish-held area. That was another really loud incoming mortar round. That was very, very close. A piece of shrapnel just clinked off the roof onto here. Beritan was at her mortar post, returning fire towards Mishtanur Hill. Can I fire it, comrade? That shell is going straight to the ISIS position. And that sounds like they're returning fire. Enough? Yes, fire. ISIS look at women as if they're nothing. They say if a woman kills them, they'll go to hell. We have to confront them to protect our rights. Perwar, our guide, told us that having beaten off the ISIS counterattack, the Kurds were advancing. There's another open area here, so we have to get low and move quickly. He wanted to take us towards the new front line. I saw, I think, maybe 500, 600 metres. So we're only half a kilometre away from where ISIS is still trying to take this area back. There's bodies there. In a school playground, we found the corpses of nine ISIS fighters. A school teacher, Ahmad, fought alongside his friends to kill them at close quarters. This is my house. This is my school. We attacked them and killed four of them two days ago. They intended to detonate a car bomb, but it didn't work. Those guys all had lots of ammunition and bombs on them. They shot at me once, but hit my friend and killed him. There are hundreds of bodies in these houses. The Kurds told us that papers found on the bodies suggested some of the ISIS fighters were Europeans. We couldn't verify their claims. We're now moving through smashed holes through walls and houses so the fighters could move without being seen.
we met some of the fighters who'd just been in action, men and women who fought alongside each other. Vian Mohammed is a teenage schoolgirl and a hardened soldier. We've heard that ISIS fighters are especially scared of the female Kurdish fighters. What do you think about that? When they hear our war cry, they get confused and retreat. They never scare us. We will avenge our friends. We will keep fighting ISIS. Her two sisters were also fighters. No land, no home. On the 134th day of the siege, the Kurds made a decisive breakthrough. Without these airstrikes, the Kurdish fighters wouldn't have been able to push ISIS back. This is the bottom of the Mishtinor Hill, which the Kurdish fighters have only just taken back from ISIS. But the battle for the hill wasn't over yet. Where are ISIS from here? Are they right over the crest yeah, of this hill? Side. Yeah. Okay, so right over the back of this hill. Right now we are very, very close. About 100 meters, there is ISIS position. So this is ISIS retreating? Yes. Are yes. they firing their re as yes. they retreat? Yeah, they, they are fighting toward us. 100. Yeah. Yes, sir. That's the sound of another Polish airstrike, very close to where we are. Oh, look at that. The Kurds were pushing forward. Okay, we're going to go further up the Mishtanur Hill in our armor personnel carrier. Right here at the top of the Mishtanur Hill, only a few days ago, this was entirely controlled by ISIS. This really is an incredibly strategic point when you can see the whole city from here. From here, it was easy to see how ISIS had been able to control so much of Kobani. But now they were retreating. As you can hear, the battle still continues. There's heavy fighting in that direction, and they're firing heavy machine gun over the hill at ISIS positions on the other side. We spoke to some of the fighters who recaptured the hill. Denise, can you tell me, what was the fighting like up here? Before we liberated Mishtanur, they attacked us and we pushed their remaining fighters back. We defeated them and liberated the hill. How long do you think it'll be before ISIS are defeated in Kobani? How long? Very soon. They only have a few fighters left, maybe a couple of days. How does it make you feel to be able to look out over Kobani from up here today? We're very happy. Words can't express it. For the Kurds, this was a triumph. Proof that ISIS is not invincible. Yet it took four months of fighting and over 700 airstrikes to claw back this one tiny city. 
ISIS still controls large areas of Syria and Iraq. The refugees are still on the border. A few days after the fighting in Kobani ended, Khadra gave birth to a baby boy. What's his name? His name means life. Our thanks to reporter Kiki King and director James Brabazon. The Unreported World podcast accompanies the critically acclaimed Channel 4 television series. Explore more by visiting channel4.com slash unreportedworld where you can watch full programmes on demand from anywhere in the world. Also join the discussion on Unreported World's Twitter and Facebook pages. Until next week, from me, Krishnan Guru Murthy, goodbye. <laughs>